Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro, and we turn the page here at the NovaCare Complex. The Eagles preparing for the primetime Monday night football. The Minnesota Vikings coming to town. Lincoln Financial Field is going to be a rockin'. So make sure you are there or in front of a television or listening to the radio or whatever you're doing. 8.30 is the kickoff, and the Eagles certainly will have a challenge from a Vikings team that on Sunday defeated the Green Bay Packers rather handily. We'll get our first look at the Vikings a little bit later on. The radio play-by-play voice of Minnesota. The great Paul Allen joins me to break down the Vikings, but we just have so much going on in this podcast. We're going to hear from Dick Vermeil, who is the honorary captain for this game. Of course, the most recent Eagles inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He will receive his Pro Football Hall of Fame ring at halftime on Monday night, and that should be an emotional and very well-deserved standing ovation from the packed house in South Philly. We're also going to meet Josh Sills, one of the three undrafted rookies to make this roster. Zach McPherson, the NFC's Special Teams Player of the Week, joins me in just a bit, as does the head coach. Nick Sirianni and I spoke on Monday. We talked about the win on Sunday and took a peek ahead to this big one Monday night against the Vikings. But we're going to start things off with a little chit-chat with Eagles running back Miles Sanders, who on Sunday opened the season in just terrific fashion. 13 carries, 96 yards. His first touchdown in a couple of seasons. I spoke to him after the game, and you heard it in that Instant Reaction podcast, but I really wanted to dig in with Miles about his mental approach, his focus for this 2022 season. And so we will do so right here. Let's kick it off. The Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. One-on-one with Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast. How are you? You look good? I'm good. You look happy? Yes, sir. Got in the end zone? Yeah. <laughs> Where, where's the football right now? Uh, I think they put it in my locker. I didn't need it, though. I'm not a rookie no more. So, <laughs> <laughs> what, what have you collected in your NFL career? What kind of like game stuff jerseys or balls uh jersey other people's jerseys for sure um there's a couple jerseys that i have um that i just kept just because i had a good like my rookie year uh my rookie year um i kept that one with one of the hundreds on it the nfl hundreds i, I just kept one of those because I, I know i had a had some record-breaking had, that was a record-breaking year so um and I say, no, that's probably the only Eagles jersey I got. Are you a sports memorabilia guy? Like in your whole life? Have you been like one of those? Um, I used to be a big fan of collecting cards. So like having guys like like when Reggie was a rookie, um, even in college, his college card, Vince Young, um, Barry Sanders, all those type of guys, you know. Um, I used to definitely create cards. But um, as far as me, um, I only got my rookie touchdown balls. That's all. I got six of them. Six. Yeah, yeah. Before the uh, before we started here, we were talking about collecting shoes, and you said you have six hundred. Almost, almost, almost. And almost. what are they? Are they all? They're not all Jordans. No, 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 no. Most of them are, because I like to collect. I like to collect um, like the original Jordans, like the like certain Jordans people don't even know. Like if you get some Jordan threes, 
And they have like the Jordan logo on the back. They're not original. We'll call them OGs, but they're not the OG Jordans. You got to go with the ones that got the Nike Air on the back. Because when Jordan was wearing uh, his shoes, there was no Jordan brand. It was a Nike brand. So right. yeah, they just called them Jordan. So yeah, that's 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 a little, so, little so explain shoe etiquette for, I, for everybody that don't know. I, I think I feel like I'm a thousand years old here because I must be the only guy who doesn't like. I really don't care about sneakers. Um, so how did you, like did you start this when you were a kid? Like were you waiting outside stores on Saturday morning? And- it's, it started in high school because young, a little younger, I you know couldn't kind of afford all the the Jordans, uh, but. Starting in high school, it got to the point where it was big for when you had to wait in line like the night before for just a ticket, just a ticket to get the shoe. So the main how crazy this is. So a shoe is dropping and then you see this whole line in the middle of the night up until the morning until they open. So you sleep over? Yeah. Yeah, I used to do that. Yep. Used to camp out. And um, this is just for the ticket. Sometimes there would be a shoe release. Those were even more like intense because, you know, people... You'll see fights break out and all this type of stuff, but uh, but yeah, it was mainly um you you wait outside the the, the store for for the tickets. So when the, they come out on the day, you just go in there with your ticket. Like okay, got my shoe. So it's, yeah. And do you wear do you wear these ever, or are you just collecting them to resell? Oh, them? Oh yeah 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 yeah. Back when I was in high school, I was if I got the shoe, I was gonna wear them for sure. But now it's more like now that I got a little bit more money, I can I buy. Know you do. Two, two, two pairs. So I'll just buy two pairs. You're not pairs. waiting in the and line. It's, 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 easy, it's much easier to get the Jordans that you want nowadays instead of just waiting out in a in, uh, in line for a store. So they got a lot of websites that you could just go. Most expensive shoes. pair that you have, like, are there like $1,000 shoes that you collect? And are you going to resell them? I like, don't co- what is designer the Designer shoes I don't collect. Designer okay. shoes I don't collect. I either, I get them and I regret getting them because, yeah, they're designer shoes, but... Here's the thing about sneakers that I don't get. Like, yeah. so you'll wear like these very fine. You're wearing some great Jordans right now. Right? These were expensive. So let's say you go on a date. Like, are you picking? Are, do you spend time going? Okay, I want to. I'm going to wear that pair of shoe sneakers or that pair of sneakers. Yeah, I choose the sneakers first, and then I just. <laughs> and then I, uh, I choose my outfit. And do women go? Hey, those are fly. What would they say? They would say fly. I, I, I correct so me old. if I correct me if I'm wrong, ladies. But I think the ladies they look at shoes like what's on your feet and your teeth. Okay. So I think I as, long as, as long as long as you guys got that right, <laughs> I got like the old, yeah. I got like the old man white shoe, white sole <laughs> shoes. Like, no woman ever said anything about but, my shoes. But yeah, oh. these these are these are pretty expensive. Man, you got some nice shoes there, Miles. That's good. Yeah. That's what you get. Okay. Hey, man, whatever works, whatever yeah. works. Um, what is working for you on the football field is just it, it just it looks so great. You looked so great on Sunday. I know you felt wonderful after the game. How did it look when you watched it on film? How did you feel you played? Um. It was one of those, uh, I probably, just, out of all the plays that I played, there's probably one or two. I'm never satisfied with, with my play, but um, I liked um, that, you know, I wasn't on film like going like, oh, I could have been more aggressive, you know. I could have did this, could have did that. It was more so just a um, little bit of technique-wise in my eyes, you know. Um, there was probably one play that I wish I had back. I, if I would have made the right cut, I probably would have been in the end zone again, so. But um, as far as just watching film, I'm I'm satisfied the way how aggressive I was. I know I'm just trying to up my game as being more aggressive, you know, as far as running the ball. Um, and that's, that's all I could really say. Players focus when they watch film on the things that you didn't do as well as you wanted to do, right? Like, isn't that, is, is that all, just, is that the mindset that everything is about correcting and getting better and better and better and better? Got to, because once you become... 
very complacent with how you are and, and comfortable, then and you think there's no room to get better, then that's when you know uh, other people's worth ethic and and stuff really kind of trumps yours. You know, you can be as talented as as ever, but if you don't work hard in order to make that talent into greatness. I say, um, then you, you, you'll 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 definitely get passed up by a lot of these guys because there's at the end of the day you got to think there's there's somebody there always trying to take take your job in this league so and you got to take that very very personal and just what I've been focusing on is really just controlling what I could control and just my my focus is is just on a whole nother level now and it, it took me about three to four years to get my focus to this point but. I'm I'm not fo- I'm only focused on one thing and that's doing my job each and every play. I take it one play at a time and whatever my job is on this play doing it 100 110%. What do you mean when you say your focus is on a different level? Have you consciously been more um in tune with things or are things slowing down for you or just like are you, are you taking classes on things? No, like, no, no just just more like like you said just more in tune like just being where my feet are. Like literally when I get in this building there's times to joke around and have fun, but once we're in the lo- once me and start, it's lock in because knowing they call on you uh, for for asking you a question, you be sharp with your answer. Don't don't just know the answer. Be sharp. Be quick. Answer back quick, fast. This no- you hear it like it's in the game. Like you hear the play, tell them what you got. Be quick with it. So it's just stuff like that. I'm just trying to be very, 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 very sharp at everything that I do, and as far as and just taking out on the field. And, but also having fun at the same time. Is it because you're older now, that, or has this happened naturally, or is it something you've consciously uh-uh. felt that you needed to add to your game? Both, both. Uh, I think that uh, being having as much years in this league just makes you better as a player regardless. But um, just knowing that I, I know to focus on, like, be more focused on a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah, just taking that upon myself. What you're saying is if you put your mind to it, mm-hmm. It slows down. You focus longer, and you're more in tune, yeah, and you just, see the benefits of it. Yeah, just straight up when like pregame, all I'm thinking about is the first, the first plays, the 15 plays that we put in, and knowing that we're going to run, and I'm just running through my head like, I got this, got that, got that. It allows me to just go out there and play. So I'm not thinking when I hear the play like, oh, what I got? Okay, so okay, hear the play, boom. See what I'm going? All right, now let's play ball. It's it's really it's, it's it takes time, but because that game is 10 times faster than practice, it's 10 times faster. You can't really explain how how it is in the game because it's really it's intense out there it's very intense and one mistake against a good team can those you'll they'll capitalize on it having that mindset must bring you great peace like inner Mm -hmm. confidence and peace going into a game right? yeah 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 absolutely i'm very very calmer when i'm in the game i'm if i see me not talking don't think i'm i'm not in in the mood i'm definitely in the mood i'm just i'm just all that rah rah and dancing saving my energy and and all I'm always like anxious or curious until the first hit. And as soon as that hit get out of, you know, it feel like a monkey's just off your back. It's like, oh, okay, let's go. Um, this offense put up nearly 300 yards in the first half. You know, you scored 31 points. Fourth quarter, probably not as good as you wanted it. But like overall, how do you feel about the way the offense performed on Sunday? Um, I, I, I like how we play, but there's definitely a lot more that we can, that we left on the table. It, it, it could be 10 times better. But what I am, and Jalen said that before, um, what I like about our team is that we we didn't panic. We didn't change nothing. We just said, okay, 
now we got to finish the game with the ball in our hands, and that's exactly what we did. And that's all all I can. That's all. That's what I like about our team is that um, we just kept grinding, no matter how how everything was going. When it was really time to put the game away, we did so. Miles, why is there? Why are there no egos in the running back room? Why is it okay if you get thirteen carries and Kenny gets five and Boston gets four? Like I thought, everybody wanted the football. Why is it so? Why are you guys so? Why? Why does it not matter? Why does it? Why does it not matter as long as you win games? That's they, there's there's such a narrative out there. Like he's got to get the football, or he's going to be unhappy. He's got to get the football, or he's going to be unhappy. Nobody seems unhappy. No, um, I mean if. I mean, it's that Super Bowl, man. Um, if if you want to get there, you you can't be you can't be a a, a selfish player. Uh, this is not a, a individual game. So, one if once you know that, I mean, everybody should know that. But once you got that in the back of your head, like this is not an individual game. You can't win this by yourself. Nobody can. I mean, it just comes to the point. Like, I just I. I'm so happy when I see Boston and, and Kenny, you know, ball out and do great stuff for the team. It's just like you can't sit there and be mad. Like, and from my experience, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I sat behind Saquon for two years, so and yeah, was it frustrating? Yes, it was definitely frustrating. Um, but he's a great player, and I learned a lot watching him. So to the point where it got to my year, and I was ready, bought out, and now I'm here with as a as an eagle. So I I couldn't. I don't know. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, like like I said, it's learning for when you play with other great players. It's just you can't you can't sit there and just be selfish. But have putting your egos aside goes for every every group on the on the on the team too. Putting your egos aside, that's that's a championship team. When you two more questions. When you when when Trey Sermon comes in, do you? Welcome him with open arms and say, "Hey Trey, right. we want to make you a bet. We want to make you a contributor to this yeah, football team." Absolutely. Absolutely. In what way? Um, you know, just talk to him. I don't know, get to know him because I never met him in my life. But I was definitely a fan when he was at O State. Mm-hmm. I know that, a lot about that. That's how our conversation. He was running all up and down on yeah, Penn State. Yeah, okay. Yes. He, yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. But, I don't care about the uh, team. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's. I mean, I, I like I, I told you. That's how the conversation started. I said, bro, I, I watched you when you was at O State, bro. You, you you're a dog, and it's nothing, no hate, hate over here. You know what I'm saying? When you get in a game, take advantage of every opportunity you get straight up. And we all cool. Now we figured out he can't hoop just like the rest of us. So he's <laughs> definitely a running back for Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. So. Nobody can play ball in the uh, – Nah, nobody. nobody. It's sad. I didn't realize that, that non-basketball players became running backs. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sad. We're too, uh, too aggressive. <laughs> uh, last one. Um, so Monday night, is it, a, is it a big deal, Monday night football to you? Absolutely. It's prime time. Yeah. whole world watching. Um, that's all you got to say. And and it, and it and it matters, so and first game home at the link, so that's I don't even want to talk because it's going to give me chills. But I know the fans are ready, and we're ready too. Great, Miles. Keep the focus. Keep playing great football, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Zach McPherson, second year cornerback from Texas Tech. He obviously would love to be a starting cornerback at some point in his career. He's learning from Slay. He's learning from James Bradbury. He's learning from everyone. Avante Maddox, he's making progress. And we know that at some point this season, he will be called upon to make plays in the Eagles secondary. But for right now, his major contribution comes on special teams. And on Sunday in Detroit, he contributed in a big, big way. 
recovering a third quarter onside's kick, making two special teams tackles, and for those efforts and that performance, McPherson named the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. On Wednesday, I sat with McPherson to talk about what the award meant to him. Glad to be joined by Eagles cornerback special teamer Zach McPherson, special teams player of the week in the NFC. Um, congratulations, first of all. Thank you. How's it feel? It feels great, uh, you know, to get that honor, um, you know, for the hard work that we all put in on special teams and, you know, to get noticed for something like that. It's a complete honor. I feel good about it. Yeah. Uh, how do you find out about that award? Um, well, honestly, I found out this morning through social media um, and then followed up by a few texts from the, some of the media personnel here. And uh, that's how I found out about it. Yeah. A reaction, just you feeling like, hey, hey, everybody, you noticed me for for something I did. I mean, I know it's a a, a team thing, but mm-hmm. to get some recognition individually, has got to make you feel good, pump you up a little bit. Definitely, it definitely gives you know me a little bit more uh, motivation, a little bit more uh, fire, you know, to keep it going and you know double back and try to do it again. Zach, it's so hard to a make it into the league mm-hmm. and then b to stay in the league and get more and more playing time. Right. What are you finding out about the keys to success in the NFL? Well, for me, a person like me, um, besides like learning from the older guys, like say on the defense side of the ball is executing my role on special teams. And, you know, that's how you stick around a long time in this league. A lot of great players, they establish themselves on special teams first. And, you know, that's my goal is, uh, you know, get the job done on special teams. And then when my name's called on the defense side, be ready for it. I've found through the years that there are some guys who just they've been stars their whole life and just they just can't wrap their arms around special teams. Right. What was it like for you to kind of know that that's how you have to cut your teeth early in your career? Right. Since college, you know, I had some great special team coaches in college and then coming to the league, you know, you just get to understand that a special team can win or lose you the game. Uh, that's one of the most or the most important uh, aspect of the game. And, you know, if you don't take that seriously, it can cost you in the long run. Uh, hence this past game, you know, some things that happened on special teams that gave us a competitive advantage. All right, let's talk about a couple of those things. Third quarter, uh, they're lining up to kick off. I know that you had an incident in college uh, experience where you kind of get your body exposed and got popped against, I guess it was Texas, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so so what what goes through the mind? You guys, are you on alert that they could possibly, even that early in the game, mm-hmm. be kicking an onside kick? Yeah, like with uh, Coach Clay and Coach Tyler, um, they gave us, you know, all the insight on their special teams coordinator. And, you know, we had the heads up and antennas on all week that, you know, this team, they do a lot of tricks and stuff. So we were just staying ready, had our alerts on, running out on every uh, special teams unit. And, you know, being ready for something and, you know, ran out there and you kind of just get an urge that something might be up. So I just did what I was taught, watched the ball kicked and sure enough, it popped right to me. And easy catch, curdle up, no hit. Yeah, it was easy catch, curdle, no hit. But uh, for sure, that ball was in the air a long time for what it seemed like when you're just staring at it, hoping it fall quicker. So, um, Zach, that wasn't the only contribution you made it, to special teams tackles. I mean, I'm not sure people really appreciate how difficult it is on special teams, the hand-to-hand combat mm-hmm. as a gunner, as you're running down the field, head on a swivel. There's a lot of stuff that goes on, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on. First thing is, you know, beat the man in front of you. And uh, sometimes you have two people in front of you. And, you know, you got to run down full speed. Hopefully you can beat the punt down there. If not, you definitely got to be ready to make an open field tackle. It's a pretty tough job, but the coaches here, they do a great job of teaching us, um, you know, how to be successful at that. I think Khalif Raymond averaged... 
something like five yards per return on three returns. Mm -hmm. That's great coverage. You guys yeah. really feel you did a great job in punt coverage? Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Aaron did a great job punting the ball. The coverage unit, we did a great job getting downfield and put some pressure on the returner, putting us in a good position to make plays. Is it more physical on special teams than it is at the line of scrimmage? Um, I'll say it's about equal. Uh, you know, each has its pros and cons, but special teams definitely is a physical side of the ball for sure. How do you feel about the progress you're making as a cornerback? As corner, I feel great. Uh, last year, I had a lot of vets that I learned from. Um, Slay, you know, Steve Nelson, even the back end, Rodney, you know, Anthony Harris. Um, but this year, I got some more, more new veterans um, out there, James. And uh, just learning from those guys and being a sponge, you know, I feel like it's really helping my game. I feel like I can go out there in any situation and execute at a high level. And, you know, learning from great coaches like Denar, DK, Coach Gannon, uh, they prepped me to the fullest, and um, I'm ready for whenever my name is called. It's so difficult, Zach, covering yeah. these receivers in the open field, isn't it? Like, yeah. You are at such not a disadvantage because, let's be honest, mm -hmm. defensive players are better athletes than offensive players. Mm -hmm. But the game is built for scores and points and big right. plays, and you guys really don't have – it's a very tough assignment. Yeah. How do you, so, so what are you learning? Is it technique that you're learning? Is it, it – I mean, physically, I feel like – you're there, right? You, right. you feel that? Yeah. Now it's all just about really refining your technique? Yeah, refining the technique, focusing on the details, because the littlest things can get you beat out there. And when you get beat out there, it can cost the, the defense and cost the team. And so that's one thing I've just been focusing on since I got to this organization, just focusing on the details and being the best me I can be, because on that island, you know, it gets lonely out there, but you got to be on your A game every time you're out there. Is What's Slay's mentality? He seems to be a guy who shrugs off anything that happens, you know, that may not go his way, he kind of just seems to shrug it off right, right away. Right, right. Slay's mentality, one thing I learned from him, every time he step on the field, he he don't think, but he know he the best dude on that field. And that's something I learned from him. And, you know, that explains his game, why he's so talented and why he's so successful in his league. And, you know, that's just the mentality every cornerback should have because it's a tough position, but you got to have a competitive edge to yourself. Yeah, because you think you're the best, right. and the guy across from you also thinks that he's the best. Right, yeah. Um, what do you know about, have you gotten into Minnesota yet? Uh, deep? I know it's early in the week here. Uh, yes, early in the week. We uh, got into it today. You know, I watched some film on my own time, uh, special teams and defense side. Uh, yeah, it's going to be some good uh, competition out there, but we're ready for it. This whole team is. They got Justin Jefferson, Adam yeah. Thielen. I mean, they, they are as good skill position-wise at wide receiver, I would say, along with the Eagles. I think, like, both of these teams are very similar. Mm -hmm. So maybe practicing against AJ and Devontae and Quez and Pascal and Jalen Rager, who was mm -hmm. here, like, that must really feel like you are prepared for what's ahead. Yeah, definitely. Just going against them. Been going against them since OTAs. Uh, that definitely has prepared us for any competition throughout this league because, you know, the guys we got on the offensive side of our receiver, they're the best of the best in this league. So... Just going against them every day, it definitely preps you for anybody. So, Zach, when you win NFC uh, NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, do you get anything? Like, do you know if you get a plaque or, like, a a certificate or, like, a trophy? Or, like, what do you get? <laughs> I'm From what I hear, I heard you get, like, a little plaque, and I'm excited to get that, hang it up on a wall, and, okay. you know, that motivate me to get another one, you know, and get another one to my parents or something like that. I love that. that. Yeah. I love that. So that's yeah. the thing because, it, again, it is a team sport, but it right. is nice to be recognized by mm -hmm. the league. Definitely, definitely. It's awesome. a big thing for sure. Cool, man. Congratulations again. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks for joining me. Yeah, for sure. Zach McPherson here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Nick Sirianni on the road opens the season with a win. A lot of good things happened with the Eagles on Sunday in Detroit. And there were some things, of course, that the Eagles need to improve. Let's go one-on-one, -on -one, as we do every week here on the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. 
with the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Sirianni. We welcome you into our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro, and Eagles coming off a big win in Detroit. Congratulations, coach. Road Thanks, win. Come back to Philadelphia. Uh, I know that, like, you know, everybody's still trying to figure out what the team's all about. So in that context, what did you learn about Sunday's win? Uh, just that this team has, has a lot of uh, no quit in them, and, you know, and they just fight through all the adversity. We had a lot of adversity. Um, and... You know, you always want to win by a couple touchdowns. I think that's uh, that's what you, you want you want to happen, but that's not the reality of this league. And so there is adversity you have to play through, and we we definitely did that yesterday. You know, it seemed at one point like we're up 17 points on two different occasions in the second half, but they battled back, and we had to make plays when it mattered. And uh, it's always nice to see that the offense ends the game with the ball in their hands on a four-minute draft. And you also took that early punch emotion from Detroit. They're coming after you. Um, you expected that, I guess, for, from from Detroit opening the season at home. I mean, I don't think you ever expect you know you'd be down seven nothing. You know, your mindset's always say I'm gonna come in and we're, we're gonna come in and we're gonna go up. We're gonna go up seven nothing. And uh, but you know what? They did they did a nice job to start the game. Um, they they had the long they had the drive to uh, with a big explosive run that got them points, and then they stopped us on the next drive and. Yeah, it's just weathering the storm. Like it's a long game, right? And it's it's playing the next play at all times. And like you can't just say, "Hey, dog mentality, play the next play." And then the, the first time it happens in your season, you just—I mean, we were built. We you know we had prepared for that. We and uh, we're prepared to handle um, any situation that we can get in. I'm so curious how defenses are going to try to attack what you guys are doing. And Detroit came out really with a lot of pressure, a lot of aggressiveness. How do you think you handled it? We're going to have to clean some things up, and we all know that. And that's that's always that's always going to be our our thought process. How do we? Here's we did some great things this game. Here's what we did wrong, and for whatever reason, as coaches and as players, that's how we think. Like, man, we what if we did a, done this a little bit better or this a little bit better? Um, but for the most part, I thought we did a nice job. Like. Uh, you know, they got us a couple times as far as one more than we could block, but I thought we won our one-on-one matchups. You know, when we had a hat on their hat, we, we won our one-on-one matchups. When they brought one more than we can block, you know, obviously Jalen did a nice job of getting out of it, and they did. They brought a lot of pressures, and, and um, they had one sack out of the out of the whole day. And, did, you know, so I thought we did a nice job. Jalen, we all look at 333 total yards of offense. The runs threw the ball very effectively. From your standpoint, like we'd look to take the next step with him. Did he show you the next step, at least the start of it, with, with the way he handled? You know, I think he's been showing us the next step his entire offseason, right? And so we've been seeing that day by day. Like Everybody's got to understand that I see him every single day, and I've seen the transformation of him just taking that step by step. By he, by he truly lives by how am I going to get a little bit better each day, and how do I climb? And so we've been seeing that, and I think that's that's what we saw yesterday. It's just that that progression that Jalen's had, and uh, you know he'll continue to get better because that's who he is. Is it from how he handled the pressure, recognized things, adjusted to things? Like what specifically? A little bit of everything. You know, he's gonna he gets us into the right play when the when that's then when that's required, or delivers in the pocket when um, it, it's you know the, it's there on rhythm and getting out of pressure when there's a a, a guy coming at him, and so. He got to do everything. He's the quarterback, and uh, and so it's the whole progression of, of everything that he has to do, and and you know that's why it's one of the hardest positions to play in all sports because there's only so many guys that can play it at a really high level in this league, and Jalen's uh, doing a nice job. What did you take away from the 60 minutes of defense? 
we had some good spurts of football in there, right? And so there was, you know, we went up or we went down seven nothing, and then, um, and then they had three three and outs in a row, um, and they had, and then after that, and I know I distinctly remember going over to the, and I could, you could just feel the offense get going, and like, okay, and, we, and then we tied it up at seven, and then I said to the defense, I'm like, we're about to go get this lead and play from the lead for the rest of the day. That's essentially what happened, and so the, I saw it, the look in their eyes, like, yeah, okay, we're gonna go play from play in the lead, and they got another three and out. We went up 14 to seven. Then they get the turnover and return it for a touchdown, and we're up 21-7, and we did. We played, you know, obviously we wanted to keep that lead a little bit wider margin of the lead longer, but uh, we played from the lead, and, and the defense was able to get us, help us get in that mode where we were playing from out in front. That changes how you play offense. It changes how you play defense, and uh, we were really able to, to lean on them in the run game when we had that 14-point, 17-point lead. A couple of young players inside, Nick, um, Marlon and Jordan, had a lot of reps, seemed to make some plays. I'm not sure if fans really know a whole lot about these guys, certainly Jordan, because of what he did at Georgia. But can you talk about Marlon a little bit and about Jordan, about how they work together? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, like with the whole thing too, it's like, well, hey, these guys kind of came out uh, you know, came out and made plays. Well, you got everybody's got to understand, we've seen this every day in camp, and so that's why Marlon's in there, because we have the faith that we have in him, because... Well, why did it, again? I said I think I said this to somebody this morning. It's not just blind faith, right? It's not blind faith. We have faith in Marlon because of the what he's shown us at practice over and over and over again. So when he goes out there and makes a play, we're happy for him and we and we uh, are, are celebrating with him and, and high fiving and hugging him. But we're not surprised. And so uh, he's had a great camp. He's came back in phenomenal shape. Taking took care of his body. And uh, he, he had a, a big-time play that helped us uh, win that game yesterday. Monday night, it's home opener. It's center stage in the NFL. The Vikings coming off their big win. They've got all the weapons on offense. I mean, it's kind of a big moment for everybody. I know it's early in the week, but when we get to Monday, are you feeling that as well? Oh, yeah, that Monday night football. That's something you, you dream of as a, as a kid, that you're going to be somewhere on that stage on that Monday night football. And, and, uh, and so, you know, that, that was... You know, I know that was something I, when I was growing up, I was I was allowed to watch you know, when I was younger. I was allowed to watch the first half. I, you know, I had to go to bed and get ready for school. But I always look forward to how I'm going to watch that first half of my dad. And so, you know, obviously that's a cool thing, knowing that everybody's watching it. You're only showing town and uh, you're only showing the on. the on. And so uh, we'll look forward to that and can't wait to see our fans out there. We got we got the best fans in the in the NFL. There's no there's no doubt in my mind. Um, they, uh, that's not blind faith. They prove it to us over, over, and over, and over again. So um, look forward to seeing our first home game, and I uh, know the challenges our fans will present uh, the Vikings. Do you have a sense finally here of what the fans are feeling about this football team? I know your life is largely at the Novacare Complex and then, of course, at home, but do you have a sense of the frenzy that these fans feel about this team? Well, sure, yeah, you, you, you feel it. and that, you know. But I just think that, right, um, that's that's the city, right? And uh, they're excited about their sports teams, and they're definitely excited about the Eagles at all times. And and I don't think it matters what year, what year or when, or uh, they always are excited. And they were, I felt the same excitement I feel last year that I feel now. And so um, we just we you know we appreciate their support and. Uh, you know, all that they'll bring to help us win this football game on, on, on Monday. Monday night just can't get here soon enough. The Eagles hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Thank you for joining us. Our weekly one-on-one -on -one with head coach Nick Sirianni.
Monday Night Football, prime time, big audience, home opener. What in the world do you do to celebrate that kind of night? You turn it into a Hall of Fame night. And at halftime, former Eagles head coach Dick Vermeil will receive his ring from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Vermeil inducted in Canton, Ohio this past August, and he is our honorary captain of the week. I had a chance to speak with him about his time in Philadelphia, about his summer to remember, and about what Monday night will mean to him. The most recent Philadelphia Eagles inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, former Eagles head coach Dick Vermeil joins me, Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Coach, congratulations on everything that has happened to you. Um, you're going to be in on Monday night when the Eagles open the home portion of the schedule at Lincoln Financial Field in front of Eagles fans who will adore you once again. Um, how's this these last several months been for you? Well, you know, as I've said, you know, Dick Vermeil has been Dick Vermeil for now almost 86 years. I've been a Hall of Fame coach now for two months, so I'm not going to change that much. But, I, I, you know, I enjoy the feeling. <laughs> you know, for a while it's almost overwhelming. Even when I talk to my family about it, it's still hard to believe that I'm a Hall of Fame football coach. And I appreciate the positive reaction I've gotten from so, so many people. Uh, you know, from coaches, ownership, people, uh, management teams, personnel departments. And uh, it really makes you feel good. Share with us the experience of early August in Canton, Ohio, the whole weekend and, the, and being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, it starts out with a gold jacket event on the night before that Friday night. And that is really something special. I've always enjoyed the gold jacket as much or more the induction ceremony over the many years I've been because I've had players and coaches go in there, good friends and co players that I've coached. And I've always enjoyed the gold jacket event and to walk the gauntlet between all those Hall of Famers and them high-fiving you and hugging you and players you coached against and players you coached. And it, it really is an unbelievable, warm, warm feeling. And uh, it, it sends goosebumps up and down your back, you know, and tears to your eyes. And then to get on stage and have Carol present the jacket with my three quarterbacks standing there, Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer, and two Pro Bowl players in, in Jaworski and Trent Green to be with her and share that experience. It's, in fact, I almost, I go back and look at that picture almost every day since then, just to, to re, uh, reinvent that feeling in me. It was so, uh, so warm, so sincere, and uh, almost overwhelming. Dick, how was the bust? Did you like the way they portrayed you? Yeah, I did. My wife said my nose isn't quite as rounded off on top as they have it. But, you know, it, I think it looks like me. You know, the guy's been doing it for 44 years, so he knows what he's doing. You know, and he's dealing with a guy that he's uh, career started in the NFL in 1969 to now, you know, this past year. And I was there and sat with him uh, as a subject uh, posing for about six hours one day in May in, in Utah. And he had pictures of me at all age groups in my career, and he blended it into that. And then the thing he asked me, he said, what would you like, a frown, a smile, a snarl? I said, I'd like a smile. So he put a smile on it. So overall, I was very pleased with it. In fact, it's going to be in the stadium Monday night, tonight. Yeah. Oh, oh very good. So the fans will have an opportunity to check it out along with um, celebrating your time in Philadelphia. And, and speak, let's talk about your time in Philadelphia back in the 1970s. You resurrected Eagles football. You made this a Super Bowl franchise. 
Dick, we, we, you and I have spent a lot of time together this summer, and I've asked you this question before. So what was your key to success? Well, I think uh, cooperation within the organization. You know, no one ever said no. No one ever said we can't do it. For a few times, they said we can't afford it. But uh, uh, and the work ethic of everybody we brought in, great coaches. I, I had wonderful, wonderful coaching staff in, you know, and Carl Peterson and Jim, Jim Murray, the GM. Like I said, no one ever said no. And, and Leonard Toast did more than he said he would do when he hired me. So I had no negatives or anything to hold me back at the end. And then the coaching staff going on with the players and establishing a culture, you know, to create a culture, you have to cultivate first. And everybody helped me cultivate an atmosphere of hard work, you know, unselfishness, relentless, uh, handle, handle adversity properly and these things and gradually make individual football players good enough to win with because we didn't have any draft choices there for the early picks for three years. And I, so I would say, number one, it was the cooperation of the organization. Number two, the quality of the coaching staff. And number three, the, uh, the work ethic of everybody that they, they gradually all bought in, especially when they started recognizing their own individual improvement because of the work they were putting in. Dick, I've been in Philly my whole life. I've been with the Eagles for many, many years. I understand the Philadelphia Eagles sports fan. You were in Kansas City. You were in St. Louis. I wonder if you can kind of... Just talk about what the Eagles fans' passion is like relative to well, others that you've experienced. You know, I would say in passion, the Eagles fan and the Kansas City Chiefs fan are about equal. In intensity, there's no equal to uh, the, <laughs> the Philadelphia fan. And the other thing, the Philadelphia fan, they, they take that intensity and they generate a great loyalty once they buy into you. You know, when I see people on the street, they treat me as if we uh, won the Super Bowl last week. You know, mm -hmm. and it's been years since I coached here. So I really appreciate. And I said this in my presentation on the induction ceremony day is that I feel like I know every Eagle fan personally. I feel like I've shook hands with them and, and said thank you to all of them because they have been so nice to me. I think what's really special also about you is the way you've continued your relationships with your former players, I'm sure, in Kansas City and St. Louis as much as you have in Philly. Why is that so important for you? Well, they're the guys responsible for my coaching success. Players play the game. And I did everything I possibly could along with my coaching staff to help them be as good as they can be. And when they were good enough to win and create a positive winning record for me, it all reflected back on me. But they were the guys playing the games. They're the guys now are my Eagle players. Not many of them, not many of them are walking, standing up straight. You know, they played a long time in the league and, and they all would do it all over again if they could. But when you're in the 70s. Now, you're 70 years old and played 10, 12, 14 years in the NFL. <laughs> you know you played in the league. So I, I'm very grateful for what they did for me. You know, I really am. You know, without Berge buying in and Carmichael buying in, without bringing Jaworski here, without Wilbert Montgomery being who he was, without Harold Carmel making the plays he did that Harold made, you know, I wouldn't be a Hall of Fame football coach. And I, I say that in all sincerity because to me it's true. Dick, we're going to be in Lincoln Financial Field on Monday night, and um, it's hard to believe 20 years, almost 20 years old here, 20 years old. Um, you were back at the vet. Uh, for those who did not experience Veterans Stadium, how would you describe it as a football venue, as a football home? Well, from the fan standpoint, it was great. From a playing service, it was poor. You know, it was just too hard to play on. But that, you know, there were other stadiums just like it. That, that was the modern stadium in that day. 
you know. But it, compared to today's stadiums, it's not close. But the fan intensity, the fan enthusiasm and passion displayed game day, either positively or negatively, cannot be equal, I, I think, in the National Football League. Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, when Jimmy Murray told me, if you took the job, they will give you a standing ovation when you make a first down. I really didn't believe that. But at first it was almost like that because they had been so poor and we started doing some things positively and the reaction of the fan, I think, God, we haven't even won the game yet and they're acting like we did, which is really a good feeling. Well, you're going to get a standing ovation when you're announced in front of 70,000 fans as the Eagles prepare to play the Minnesota Vikings. Do you feel it when the fans rise and give you such love? Oh, no. Yeah, no question. Absolutely. No, yeah, you definitely feel it through every inch of your body. No question. I, I've been on that stadium floor as a former coach there and received nice ovations. And boy, I tell you, it's very appreciative. And in my own way, I'm, I'm cheering them back equally to the feeling they send to me. I'm trying to send it back to them. And it's also... Uh, I hopefully that everybody that was with me all through the seven years coaching here feels that part of that uh, reaction is because of them, their contribution they made to me. So so we can all share that experience. The celebration continues for our Microsoft Teams legend of the week, former Eagles head coach Dick Vermeil. A current, by the way, your picture is now up on our Pro Football Hall of Fame wall here in the Novacare Complex. So you have arrived. Coach, can't wait to see you on Monday night. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate it. Paul Allen, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the Eagles Insider Podcast. We're excited to see the Vikings. Um, Sounds like they kind of had the perfect game on Sunday. What stood out to you about the win over Green Bay? Well, I mean, you know, and David, hello, and then you've done this a long time, so you you know uh, it's impossible to have the perfect game. Um, I understand what you're saying, and, you know, the, the team did uh, handle Green Bay, relatively speaking, but, you know, if you, if you watch it back, you know, you're going to see Aaron Jones and uh, A.J. Dillon doing some stuff on the perimeter where if that's leaky in this game, against that quarterback and uh, they run offense, then there will be problems. But uh, the, the thing I think uh, at the end of the equation that I really like most about uh, the Vikings victory over green Bay is I've just seen over the years where we've been, we've been handling the team and, and winning by multiple scores. And then all of a sudden the adversary scores, the building gets quiet and then they score again and then we lose. So the, the thing that I really like, man, is that the Vikings took a punch from Aaron Rodgers and they swung back, delivered an uppercut that quite honestly knocked them out. Let's start on the defensive side. Uh, a rare interception of Aaron Rodgers. You put a lot of pressure on him. Uh, what is this Vikings defense, at least through week one, because we know it changes week to week. You know, what are your impressions of what this defense is able to do on the field, the strength of this defense? Well, the, the addition of Zadarius Smith uh, has been exponentially phenomenal. And, and I say exponentially because it's so wide-ranging in that Daniil Hunter, who undoubtedly will get a lot of attention, even as a stand-up outside linebacker, well, now he's going to get less attention. And, and then you've got uh, Buffalo Bills nose tackle Harrison Phillips as a free agent guy, and Harrison rushes the passer, better better than I thought. 
and and he's at a stage of his career where you know he still has the opportunity to define himself between no nose tackle and three technique. And uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, the former Giant with whom Eagles fans uh, will be familiar, you know, I thought he had a very nondescript season last year for the Vikings, but he complements Phillips really, really well. So those two guys, plus um, some of the backups, they're keeping bodies off former Eagle Jordan Hicks, who had 14 tackles in a strip sack, and Eric Kendricks, who's led the team in tackles six years. You know, so it's the... It's the levels complementing each other and protecting what at this stage of the season would be some weaknesses in the defense. At, at what weaknesses would you identify or at least potentially identify? Well, the, the first, the first offensive play of the game for green Bay, it was, I mean, it was cold blooded. It was aggressive. It was antithetical to what anybody thought they would do. Uh, they went deep 75 yards and, and Christian Watson uh, the North Dakota State University rookie dropped it, or else it's a tie game on a 75-yard score. Well, I mean, to, to, to get to that point, you, you absolutely have to scorch a cornerback, and, and Patrick Peterson took it on the chin and completely got lucky. Now, the beauty of it is new defensive coordinator Ed Donatel covered up that part of the field. Now, on the other side, you got Cam Dantzler, who's in his third year, uh, but Cam hasn't had a ton of starts and you're going against Aaron Rodgers with a bunch of nondescript receivers. So the, the, the cornerback situation still has yet to play itself out, and um, they've shown that they can be beat, but they've also shown if they do get beat, they'll cover it up nicely and still beat you. Yeah, that would be a great matchup, the Eagles wide receivers and Minnesota's secondary. On the other side, I mean, getting a look at Justin Jefferson for the first time, and Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins. And, boy, that's a handful for any defense, I guess. Uh, Let's first talk about Jefferson. Paul, you've been around a lot of great receivers. Uh, What are your thoughts on Jefferson in year three? Well, he's the only receiver in the history of the thousand yards through his first two years. And, and, you know, we we knew we were on to something his rookie year, the pandemic year, when – picking Randy Moss rookie records from 1998. So, I mean, to do that, you're, you're obviously in rarefied air. Uh, Justin is a terrific kid. He's just a wonderful human being who's very happy-go-lucky. He's not overly braggadocious while being competitively arrogant. That's a compliment. And, and his route running is unbelievable. So uh, with, uh, with Justin, it's a treat having him. But, you know, he really is part of a, uh, he's a component within an offense that I, I think it's the, the most well-balanced offense in the NFL. And with an offensive-minded head coach in Kevin O'Connell, who happens to be very, very aggressive, Kevin is very aggressive with his play calling and his mentality. And, um, you know, when you're able to go play action to Dalvin Cook, and then you've got Adam Thielen with 24 touchdowns the last two years, you got J.J. with those 3,000 his first two years, and K.J. Osborne in his uh, second year last year, he had seven touchdowns. Now we got the former Eagle Rager. I don't know where he's going to fit in from a wide receiving standpoint, but he will uh, because like Van Jefferson with the L.A. Rams, the, uh, the team uh, from which O'Connell came, well, I mean, Van Jefferson's, his route tree is, it's, it's, you know, it's not the most extensive. 
But nevertheless, they find a way to use speed like that, like Rager once he gets up to speed. And behind Cook is Alexander Madison, who was star for a ton of teams. And and the tight end situation is better than I thought it would be. So is the offensive line. So uh, this is a very, very well-balanced team with an accurate quarterback, with a strong arm. And Kirk's always been an aggressive quarterback when he's protected. He wants to dagger you downfield. I really, really like this offense. Paul, let's talk a little bit about Kirk Cousins. Um, I'm not sure a lot of people around the league, at least fans, give him that kind of respect. But, boy, his numbers are so good. 3,000 yards, or rather 4,000 yards, 30-plus touchdown passes each of the last three seasons. I mean, he puts up huge numbers. Your thoughts on him and, and just how much he can win this year with what's around him? Well, you see, with, with, with David, with, with Kirk, is, is because his numbers are big and he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, and his arm strength is really good. You want to go left hash to right boundary on a dime, he's going to do it. Um, but, you know, the, the, the thing with Kirk is people will look at those numbers and then they will do the high-end comparisons to the best quarterbacks ever to play, where there are so many who are not going to be like those guys. So therefore, most, if not all, have limitations. You know, it's with Jalen Hurts in watching Jalen at the end of last year and then watching him in in the Lions game. Well, it's clear at this stage of his career, he's beaming with confidence. So, you know, they they designed the offense around him with the run-pass option. Uh, He has A.J. Brown, and, and he can move, and he's really, really tough when he runs. Okay, but he's not a pocket guy. So too many people are going to look at Jalen and be like, well, this is good, 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 but he's not a pocket guy. Well, that's the same thing with Cousins is they'll look at so many things that are good and they'll try to poke holes in him by saying, well, you know, his his improvisational skills leave a little to be desired and he needs to have everything around him work perfectly, meaning excellent protection and all that. Okay, well, that's fine. You know, if, if you, you eliminate those years in Washington, which I think are fair to eliminate because of the talent or lack thereof that he had around him. And the, the whole Washington football situation, it's, it's just toxic at times. So it's very difficult to win there. Ever since he's been here, he's had really good talent around him. Now, he's only won one playoff game. I understand that. But nevertheless, Kirk comes through when he has the chance to come through. And he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes or a quarterback like that to run around and go Fran Tarkenton on it. And then the cornerbacks are tired and you see three receivers left wide open. He's not going to be that guy either. But if Kirk Cousins is protected consistently, he will beat any defense in the NFL at any time with the skill he has around it. So it's it's, it's been a work in progress with Kirk. I think he's sitting on the best season of his career and I'm really happy he's on our team. Last question, Paul, your thoughts on this matchup. And, you know, a lot of what you say, balanced offense, uh, a defense that really gets after it up front, is what I would say about the Eagles. Your thoughts on how the Vikings match up against Philadelphia? Um, well, you know, it's it's end of the season, Dave, uh, given these are facts, okay? So it's not Homer announcer guy formulating opinions, that are going to sway the way of the purple and gold. Okay, I'm way, I'm way too far in my career 
and in my radio career at KFAN to even be concerned with something like that. So what you get from me is straight from the heart, and and it's as close as I can get to facts-based. So with that said, the Vikings are a redo with talent. So there's a redo with a new regime, but with talent. And given the offense and the defense are completely new, we haven't run a 3-4 base in 40 years, and now we're running a 3-4 defense. So unpredictability and deception are on the side of the Minnesota Vikings really through two and a half or three games until we get about 150, 180 plays on tape, and then you got to start changing with the tendencies and the takes and the tells and everything. So um, I think the Vikings have a great chance to win this game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles won because I really like how they run offense, and um, and I've always been a Darius Slay guy. So it's it's a 50-50 type game and uh, one that I hope we win. It's now time for our extra point in our Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. And along the way here, I want you to get a chance to meet some of these more unheralded Eagles. Josh Sills played his football in college at West Virginia at Oklahoma State. Terrific player, five years in college. Eagles sign him after the draft, and he just comes out and wins a job. Playing in the preseason at guard and tackle, very impressive. Big, big young man, and really, really happy to be a Philadelphia Eagle. We spoke shortly after the 53-man roster was announced, and Josh Sills, one of the happiest men in all the NFL. It's been a whirlwind. Uh, It's kind of taking me off my feet. Uh, It's been really special. It's been very humbling. I'm just super thankful to be here, be in this position, you know, thankful for all the guys, you know, here that believed in me. Um, And just beyond thankful, you know, I really can't say enough of just how truly appreciative I am for the opportunity I've been given. When you say humbling, do you mean that you were not drafted? Is that, was that the humbling part of it? Uh, Yeah. Um, You know, I kind of carry a chip on my shoulder because, you know, I did go undrafted. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, things work out how they're, they're meant to be. Um, and I'm a firm believer of there's a man upstairs that does that. So I appreciate, you know, having the opportunity and, you know, give praise to the most high. I, I would imagine you have had, um, and I know you're not talking about Jeff Stoutland in that instance, but I would imagine you had options. Was Stout one of the reasons that you came to Philly? Like, why did you pick Philly? Or maybe did you not have options? I don't know. Um, no, I, I most certainly had options. Yeah. Um, but I really like Coach Stoutland. Uh, I really like what he believes in. I like the way he teaches you know, he's fierce, he's fire, he demands every single ounce, inch, you know, from your well-being, everything you have in your body, every drill, every rep, every second, it's, you know, it's full go, nonstop, and, you know, like he tells us, you go and you go and you go, and then we'll give you oxygen when you need it, but until then, you go until you just can't go anymore, until you fall over, and then we'll get you some oxygen. <laughs> first day you walked into the building, first day you walked into the room and you see Kelsey and Lane and, you know, Land. I mean, like, and, and Jordan, guys who have really accomplished a lot. What was going through your mind? Um, honestly, I was just kind of like a kid in a candy store. I mean, you know, I grew up watching football, so I grew up, you know, all through college. And, you know, even when I was in high school, you know, I, got, I watched those guys on TV every Sunday. Um, and to actually see them in person, I was just absolutely, it was like, you know, starstruck almost in a sense because you have guys like that, you know, that are all pro, pro bowlers and are the best to play, you know, at their position. And they've been in this league for so long. 
it was just like, oh my gosh, they're right in front of me. But at the same time, it was like, you know what, that's a guy that I can try and learn as much from while I'm here, you know, to try and learn a couple of tips and tricks of why they've got to stick around so long and what makes them as good as they are. Was that the mindset you had on a daily basis here? Absolutely. Um, that was one of the big things when I first got here of, you know, they always try and find someone to take your job. Um, and they, you know, everyone made it very clear of, you know, hey, if you're not here to work and you're not here to give everything, you know, everything you have, there's somebody else that will. Um, so when I come in every day, I come in with that mindset of, you know, you got to go to work. Um, but it makes it easier having those guys like that around you that you can learn from and see how they work. You see how they practice. You see how they take drills, how they take film. And it makes it really easy for someone like me to try and follow in their footsteps as far as how they mold themselves, how they watch film, and how they take care of themselves off the field as well to be able to keep their bodies healthy. Do you think the versatility that you had in college, that you played a bunch of positions five years in school, do you think that paid off? Um, I absolutely think that's helped me, um, just being able to show that I can play all positions. Uh, and it makes me a little more comfortable um, having a little more experience at those positions. In college, getting here, obviously, is completely different. Um, because here, everyone, you know, you're getting good on good, one-on-ones, you know, whether you're on the 53-man, you're on the practice squad, OTAs, whatever it may be. So just having those reps and being able to play those positions in college just gives me a little more confidence. Did you feel, Josh, that you were playing your best football in camp here? Do you feel like you're getting better and better? Absolutely, yes. Um, it's very easy uh, for me to feel that way when, you know, like I said, you're just surrounded by such a great group of guys and you have a great coach like Coach Stoutland. Um, you know, he, he, he'll jump you. He'll get on you. Um, just the, the smallest instant second, millisecond, he thinks you're not given 100% your absolute best. He climbs up your back right now. And, you know, it's just it's unacceptable. And I absolutely love that about him. Uh, very thankful to be in this position to be coached by him, but he makes it very easy along with the other guys around him of the starters of, you know, Lane, Jason, Isaac, Landon, and Jordan, you know, of seeing how they carry themselves and how they go about practice to do that as well. What are your strengths for those Eagles fans who don't know you? Uh, I think one of my strengths is, you know, I, I move people in the run game. I like to be physical. I like to come off the ball and just pound people. Um, that's probably the the best thing that I would say I enjoy and I do well is just coming off the ball, moving people, and, and being physical and nasty and finishing. So tell me about Tuesday. And, um, you know, you, we come back from Miami. It's a long flight. Everybody's exhausted. And then you just have to wait until Tuesday at 4 o'clock. What was it like for you? Tuesday is by far the most stressful day I've ever been a part of since I've been alive. Um, you know, just sitting around. You know, I was in the hotel room here, the team hotel, and I was sitting around, I kind of texted back and forth with my agent. And every time my phone would, you know, vibrate or ring, I'd be like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Almost like, you know, I didn't want to pick it up or didn't want to look at it. Uh, but no, it was great. It was awesome. And then, you know, once I finally, you know, got, got the call of, you know, being on the 53, I was like ecstatic, over the moon. Every reaction you could ever imagine possible. It was me in my hotel room by myself. I got to talk to my parents on FaceTime. It was incredible. I loved every second of it, but at the same time, it's the most stressful day I've been a part of. I mean, I guess jumping like jumping around kind of emotions. Yeah, like, like jumping around, yelling, screaming. I uh, didn't really know what to do, uh, but no, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, it was a dream come true. I always enjoy hearing about the parents' reactions. So what? Did, tears? 
Oh yeah, they cry. Uh, they cried like little babies, but that was <laughs> that's to be expected. My mom, she's always the emotional one of the family. Uh, but no, they were just super ecstatic, super happy for me. Um, you know, and they get to they get to come along for the journey as well. So. Are, you, are you exhaling now, Josh? Or are you like, hey man, I got to keep this thing get better and better? Oh no, uh, there's no like stop, and you know everything's okay, and you know you can take a break. You got to have your foot down on the gas 100 percent of the time, full throttle. Um, that was one of the things, you know, Coach Stout, you know, harps and teaches every day of, you know, one, and he always tells us, he's like, you see the light at the end of the tunnel and you think I've made it. He said, well, you know, it's a train coming full speed at you. So there is no light at the end of the tunnel because it'll catch up with you real quick. Um, but no, there's, there's no room for that. Um, and there's always, you know, I always have things I can improve on. So cool, man. Well, hey, have you, are you, I mean, what's it been like since now you're on the 53? What's it, what have these last few days been like for you? Um, just been like any other normal day. Um, I haven't approached anything differently. I haven't treated it, you know, any differently. Um, you know, none of the guys treated any differently. Um, and that's a big thing of, you know, that I try and take to, into of, you know, staying consistent every day, level-headed of, you know, you don't, you don't chase the, the highs when they're too high and you don't you know you don't get down in the lows when they're too low. You just stay even level headed all the way across. That's something my dad's taught me since I've been little and I try to carry that with me today. And that is our extra point and our conclusion to this Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks to Peter Kelly, Kira Mahoney, Ray Doyle, the Eagles Media Relations staff and everyone involved in putting this all together. And of course, thanks to all of you for joining us each and every episode. I urge you, I ask you, I plead with you to give us some reviews. We want to hear from you. What can we do to make this better? We love the five stars. They really do help us in a lot of ways. They help us become recognized and have more people listen. And the more people that listen, the more times we can come your way with a great slate of Eagles guests. Everyone, let's enjoy the game on Monday night. It's a great, great, great early season test for the Philadelphia Eagles. As Paul Allen and I discussed, I feel like it's two teams that are very, very similar. Explosive offenses and defenses that are building and coming together. This will be a fun one. Make sure you're with us in the post-game hours as we bring you the instant reaction Eagles Insider Podcast. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly. And go birds! E-A-T-L-E!